share with you guys that something happened to my thumb. I don't know what it was. I've been um, moving, and so I don't know if I, I jammed it. I think I would know if I jammed it, but like it might be a, a hangnail or something. I went to the urgent care on Friday. This thing was so bad. Like you don't realize um, how dependent you are on your thumb until it like, starts to hurt really bad. And so like this week, even the slightest bump of my thumb, um, you know, you start doing this thing because you feel like it's going to make it better, but I think it actually makes it hurt worse when you do that. And, um, man, I was typing up my, my sermon this week, and every time I hit the space bar, like, it just hurts so bad. I was like, I have to hit this. I have to remember to, like, hit the space bar only with my right thumb because it's my left thumb that's um, totally in pain. And even today when I put my hand in my pocket, I have to be very careful to protect my thumb. And so you don't realize how dependent you are. And so it's like something's wrong with it, and something's broken, or something is kind of um, out of place a little bit. We're dependent on a lot of things in our life. I wonder what it is that you're dependent on. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a good workout. Maybe it's that job or that paycheck. Maybe it's that car, you know, you're dependent on, hey, every time I get in and push the button or turn the key, yep, that car's going to turn on. Every time you flip the lights, how do we say it in the South, cut the lights on? Do we say that in the South? Whenever you cut the lights on, you know, you, uh, you, you're dependent on those lights turning on. Or um, whenever you, we were moving out of our house and they shut the water off at our house in Indiana a little bit too early. And so the whole day we moved out, if we wanted to go to the restroom, we had to go somewhere else because we were dependent on that water to go to the restroom. But when it's not there, you realize how dependent you are on things like that. Maybe you're dependent on prayer church, salvation. Maybe you're dependent on the Bible. Maybe you're dependent on your your life group here at the church. What is it that you are dependent on? Which also makes me kind of step back and ask another question. I wonder what Jesus was dependent on. Was there something that Jesus depended on during his earthly ministry, during his life here on earth? So we're in this series and we're calling it The Church Is... Last Sunday, we talked about how the church is focused on Jesus, and this week, we're talking about how the, the, the church is led by the Spirit, and the whole design or the theme around this series is to give our church time and space to consider and to look at or to dream about what could or what should the church look like, and then to let that inform, well, what could or what should my family look like, what could or what should my life look like, to allow that to kind of begin to inform our whole life. And so to do this, we're going back to the original church startup, the very first church, right after Jesus was buried, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, the church launched. And so this is the church that Jesus started that we want to look at, and we want to learn from that early church is what we normally call it. And what, what did that church look like then? And because of knowing what that church looked like then, uh, what does the principles or what are some characteristic traits or what are some foundational things that our church today can learn from the early church when it originally started? And so we learn about the early church in the book of Acts. Luke wrote this letter. And as we're looking at a couple passages today, we can just kind of think about this as the acts of the Holy Spirit. 
the acts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at two passages today, and I feel like these passages, we're just going to dive into them, then we're going to begin to unpack um, some implications from these, these verses in the context here as we look at Acts chapter 2. The context is that Paul is preaching a sermon, and there's a crowd that's gathered together in Jerusalem for uh, Pentecost, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, verse 33, this is what we read. Acts 2, 33, it says, Now he, or Jesus, is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. He's at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you have seen and you have heard today. And so what this is basically saying is Jesus went to be with God. He's at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit, um, he's poured out over us. He's poured out upon us. And just a few verses later in Peter's sermon, this is what we read in chapter 2, verse 37 through 38, as the sermon continues. It says this, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And so they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? So Peter replied, each of you, you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is promised to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. We know from the very beginning that the gospel has the ability to pierce hearts. The gospel has the ability to pierce hearts, and then when it begins to pierce hearts, oftentimes the response is, what should we do about this? What should we do about this? It's a great opportunity for our church to say, God, can you pierce our hearts? God, can you pierce my heart? This week, will your gospel begin to pierce our hearts, to pierce our community's hearts? It's a great opportunity for us to pray that over our church and over our family and over our own life. Peter tells them, hey, you need to repent of your sins and you need to be baptized. You need to turn to God. And when they submit to the Lordship and when they submit to the Messiah, they're going to receive forgiveness and they're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because it is a gift. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe, is critical it's critical because God gave it to Jesus to pour out over us, to pour out upon us. Why? Well, in order to lead us, in order to guide us. And it is a gift. It's a gift to guide us, and it's a gift to lead us. Not only just you and your family, but us as a church. So you have in your worship program, there's a note page there, and it's blank. I'm going to give you a few things to write in there, if you would, this morning. And the first one is we're going to look at um, the Holy Spirit and how it leads the church. And number one is it leads it by guiding it. The Holy Spirit leads it by guiding it. The Holy Spirit's guidance marked every aspect of Jesus' life. Every aspect of Jesus' life, the Holy Spirit guided it. And so I want to read to you um, in John chapter 5, verse 19 through 30. And I want us to think about how in Jesus' humanity, he understood that being fully human meant that 
he himself could do nothing on his own. Jesus could do nothing on his own. In his humanity, he knew that he needed some help. He needed some guidance. And if Jesus knew that he needed some guidance and he needed some help, oh my goodness, I better feel that same way as well. John chapter 5, verse 19, listen to this. It says, so Jesus explained to his disciples, he was, he was telling them, I tell you the truth. The son, or I, can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him everything that he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing uh, than healing this man. Then you will be astonished. Jesus didn't do anything on his own. Only what he saw the father doing. We also read this in verse 30, a couple verses down. In verse 30, he says again, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus was admitting, I don't carry out my will. This is the will of the one who sent me. This is the Father. And I don't do anything on my own. I do only what I see the Father doing. And it was through the Holy Spirit that the Father was kind of with Jesus. And so after modeling to his disciples a lifelong adventure of relying and being led and being guided by the Holy Spirit, this is what Jesus um, encouraged his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 5. This is right before Jesus went to the cross. He reminds them of this statement. He reminds them of it one more time. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain right here in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything on our own. And Jesus wanted to remind his disciples one more time before he went to the cross, you can do nothing on your own, but you need the helper. You need the advocate. You need the counselor. You need the Holy Spirit in your life because you can do nothing on your own. And he modeled that for them. So I feel like as a church, we just need to pray for guidance. We need to pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit. In our own life, we need to pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit. We need to admit to him and say, Father, I know that I can do nothing on my own, and it is only through you that I can do the things that I do. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me in my life. How often do we ask for permission from God before we do things in our life? That needs to be a habit. Oftentimes, we're very good about saying, God, will you bless this thing? God, will you help me do this thing? But prior to those conversations, we need to say, God, do I have permission for? God, can I do? God, am I, do I have your blessing for? Because then when you start saying, God, will your, will your hand be upon this? You, you have confidence that this was, you have peace that this is what God wanted for you, and you had his permission. So the second thing that I want us to think about this morning about this is that Holy Spirit gives it power. The Holy Spirit gives the church power. I believe that the Holy Spirit's power marked every aspect of Jesus's life. Every aspect of Jesus's life. From the very beginning to the very end. And in Luke chapter 4, we read about that. 
The context here is that uh, Jesus just been baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. The heavens opened up and um, God said, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. And so God kind of identifies Jesus as his son, tells him he's, he's well pleased. Then the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And then Jesus is thrusted into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And what's really key here this morning is I want us to kind of um, narrow down in on how he went into that wilderness experience and then how he came out of that wilderness experience. And this is in Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 1 and verse 14. There's something really important that happened in between verse 1 and verse 14 in the wilderness. We don't know 100% what all happened in the wilderness. We know that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but we also know that every wilderness experience was the opportunity to be in solitude, to be in silence, and to connect with God. That's what those wilderness experiences were for. And so we have to just believe a little bit um, that Jesus was probably in this wilderness experience, thrusted there by the Holy Spirit to connect with the Father at the beginning of his earthly ministry to say, God, what do you have for me? What's next? So let's look at this. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. He has the wilderness experience. He comes out of the wilderness experience. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 4, verse um, 14. It says, then Jesus returned back to Galilee... He was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Whatever took place in that wilderness experience, he walked into that wilderness experience full of the Holy Spirit, and then he walks out of the wilderness experience in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it just brings to my mind the implication of, I need to be making sure that I am connecting with the Father, that I am in relationship with the Father through prayer, through reading, through um, our church family, in, in relationship with God through all those things. Why? Because I know temptation is coming. And when that temptation comes, what did Jesus do? He refuted all the temptations of Satan by pointing back to Scripture. And what was really interesting about Satan's uh, tem temptations is, is he continued to say, if you are the Son of God. And what happened to Jesus during his baptism? God says, this is my son. And so what was Satan doing? He was attacking his identity. And Jesus was saying, no, I know who I am, and I know who, who I am. I'm God's son. And I can't do anything on my own. I know that I need the Father. And it was through that connecting with the Father at the beginning of that wilderness experience that gave him the opportunity, I believe, to fight back that temptation. But he goes into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, comes out, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe as a church that we need to be praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to be on us, to be in us, and for us to know, how, how do you want me to use that power, God? Where are you guiding me? Where are you directing me? How can you use me? I want to be a part of your kingdom work. Show me what you need me to do. This is important for us as a church. I believe that learning the dependence on the Holy Spirit is crucial. It's a crucial aspect of our life and the church's life. It's so crucial. 
I believe that every aspect of Christ's ministry was saturated with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. From beginning all the way to the end, it is very clear that Jesus was led and that he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Listen to a few of these bullet points and the references attached to them. Christ's birth was the work of the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. John, Jesus' cousin, knew that Jesus was the Messiah when the Holy Spirit came down and remained on Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 33. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit, and he did miracles by the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus preached in the power of the Spirit, and he rejoiced in the Spirit in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus gave instruction through the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, 2. Jesus was raised by the Spirit in Romans 8, 11. It is the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. How do we know that? Romans 8, 11 is proof. When Jesus died, he gave up his spirit, John 19, verse 30. So as a church, we have to step back from this a little bit and say, Man, how, how do I respond to this? What is the application or what is the implication for us right now, right here today? In order to think and, and process that, I want to go back to an often repeated phrase in the book of Revelation. John wrote this letter. It's called Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, and verse 29, and also Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, verse 13, and verse 22, there is a repeated phrase. And when it's repeated, it's important, especially this many times. Chapter 2, verse 7, 11, 17, 29. Chapter 3, verse 6, 13, and 22 says this. Let them hear what the Spirit says. Let them hear what the Spirit says. This is the call to attention to hear what passes between Christ and the church. I believe that we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. He's calling for our attention. And he's saying, the Holy Spirit has something for you. Listen. Is our life organized in such a way that we have time and space to listen to the Holy Spirit? Or are we so busy, so jam-packed with life that we don't have time to pause, and to rest, have a wilderness experience where we can just be in the presence and listen to God because you know that a temptation is around the corner, whatever that temptation might be. I feel like this is critical for us. We need to be paying attention to the promises of Jesus, to the precepts of Jesus, and we need to be listening to them. Jesus reveals his knowledge to the church through the Spirit, and he urges the church to listen. I'm urging and asking us to listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. That would be the application point of the day. The primary way that we hear or we listen is through the Word of God. We know this from John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 16, verse 7 and verse 13. The Spirit teaches and the Spirit reminds the disciples and us everything that he taught. The best thing that Jesus could have ever have done would be to leave because when he left, the Holy Spirit was able to come. I believe that 
one of the greatest challenges that the church faces is that the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything to work with in our life. See, the Holy Spirit begins to call back to memory the things that we have stored up in our heart through God's word. And so as we interact with God's word, and as we pour out God's word into our hearts, the Holy Spirit, at a future date, at a future time, has the supernatural ability to call back to memory the things that we need in our life in that moment, in that time. But oftentimes the Holy Spirit is like, I have nothing to work with. I have nothing to work with. When was the last time this person was in the Word of God to where the, where the Word of God was able to kind of speak into their life, that he was able to call back to that? We have to work in tandem with the Holy Spirit in order to listen, because some of us are like, yeah, I, I prayed for God to speak to me, and he didn't. I prayed for God to speak to me another weekend, and he didn't. I'm, I'm just not for sure what's going on. I'm not for sure what I'm doing wrong. The answer is this. Open up God's word. As you do, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do you have for me? Guide me. Give me the power that I need to do the kingdom work that you've called me to do. I want to listen to you. And then begin to interact with the word of God. This is the primary way that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. The Holy Spirit does not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit does not speak stuff that he just wants. The Holy Spirit listens to the Father. He listens to Jesus and he speaks what he hears to us. So the apostles, they received revelation. They received inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And then they began to publish that information for our edification. We know that because of John 15, 26 through 27. And so the Holy Spirit, he came from the Father to testify about Jesus. And then the disciples begin to now testify about Jesus. And we have that same opportunity and that same responsibility and hopefully that same conviction. Because the Holy Spirit begins to work through Scripture that he inspired to convict sinful hearts. We know that because of Hebrews 4.12 and Hebrews 5.14. Those two verses, Hebrews 4.12, Hebrews 5.14, they tell us that the Holy Spirit exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. I wonder what would happen through a church if we were to say, Holy Spirit, expose my inmost thoughts and desires. Expose my inmost thoughts and desires and lay them before me honestly and openly. And God, I want those thoughts and those desires to be aligned with you. Help me with that. It also tells us in Hebrews 5.14 that we, we have the, the skill of recognizing the difference between right and wrong. And I'm not talking about the common sense right and wrong that most everyone, you know, knows. I'm just talking about the intricacies of life that sometimes we're like, huh, I wonder what's right or wrong in this situation. The Holy Spirit, as we begin to read his word and as we begin to listen to him, he gives us the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. How awesome would it be if we had a church family who began to pray, God, give me the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Open up your word to me in such a way and speak to me through the Holy Spirit that the right and wrong of, of the life that I'm living, like I'm, I'm able to see it. Bring, bring to mind these desires and these thoughts that are not aligned with you and align them with you. Help me with that. 
So I want to stop and I want to think and consider um, what this indicates for you and I, what the implications are for me and my relationship with the Holy Spirit and your relationship with the Holy Spirit and our church's relationship with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Like, how can we respond to the Holy Spirit right here, right now, today? Um, those of you who are life group leaders, we gave you some um, additional content. So there's, um, some sm- there's some life group material, but then we gave you some additional content for today that I'm really excited for your conversations this week. So make sure that you are looking at that life group material because you're going to begin talking this week about um, what, what does the Holy Spirit do for us in your life group. Excited for those conversations, but for right now, how do we respond right here in this moment? Three quick things, and we're going to end. And that is this. Number one, believe and receive God's gift of the Spirit. Believe and receive God's gift of the Spirit. God created us to be in relationship with him, but it is our sin that separates us from that relationship with him. And sin can't be repaid by any good deed that you or I will ever do. But paying for that price of sin, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. And everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, repents of their sin, and is baptized, I believe, is living in eternity with Jesus. And life in eternity is not something that happens in the future. It's something that is happening right now. The kingdom of God is eternal. It's living and it's active now today. And we have the opportunity through the Holy Spirit to be kingdom workers in that kingdom right here, right now today. Through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to him, saying, what do you have for me? Lead us and guide us and give us the power to do the things that you've called us to do. Number two would be this. Thank God for the work that you can't do yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't restore yourself. You can't empower yourself. And you can't even direct yourself. Thank God that we have the opportunity through the Holy Spirit to do these supernatural things. It's great to be able to come to the Holy Spirit And just to acknowledge, I need you, God. I need you, God, through the Holy Spirit to do these things for me that I can't do on my own. Thank God that we have the ability to do that. Number three, allow God's influence in your life. Allow God's Spirit to influence your life. Here are a couple things to think about. How God, through his Holy Spirit, can influence your life. This week, your prayer could be like, Holy Spirit, Influence my eyes this week. Because I know my eyes are seeing things that I shouldn't. God, influence my eyes this week. Call me to your righteousness. I'm doing things that I shouldn't. I'm watching things that I shouldn't. Influence me. Help me this week. Guide me. Give me the power to overcome this habit of my, what I watch. Say, Holy Spirit, influence my mind this week. Thinking about things that I shouldn't. Thinking about doing things that I shouldn't. Influence my mind this week. Influence my ears this week, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, influence my heart this week. Holy Spirit, would you influence my tongue this week? The things that I say and the words that are coming out of my mouth, would you influence them this week for your righteousness and for your sake? 
Holy Spirit, would you influence my influence? Those who I have influence with around me that do not have a saving relationship with you, influence me to influence them for your kingdom's sake. Influence me, God, to be an iron that sharpens the iron of the church around me. I wonder what God would do through a church that prayed things like that. The dominant thought for the day that we would want you to consider over lunch today or over dinner today would be this. Listen to the Spirit through the Word. Listen to the Spirit through the Word. And just to allow that phrase to inform your conversation. There are so many conversations that could kind of go um, from that dominant thought. Listen to the Spirit through the Word. Sometimes we have this image of God as though His arms are crossed. Kind of like He's got that snarl on his face and he's looking down upon you upset and mad and and angry. We need to be reminded, know that the Father's arms are open wide. Father's arms are open wide and his Holy Spirit is there to guide you. His Holy Spirit is there to give you power. He wants you to listen to the Holy Spirit. His love is unconditional. His forgiveness is there. He just wants you to come to him. We need to be broken within and at the end of ourselves. We need to come to the Holy Spirit this week and just say, Holy Spirit, I am broken within and I am at the end of myself. And we need to live every day waking up and saying, I am broken and I am at the end of myself. I need Jesus. I can't do anything on my own. And it's through the Holy Spirit that I have that access to Jesus. You need to be thirsty for the living water that Jesus offers us. Altars are used for sacrifices, and maybe we need to consider that this morning and say, Jesus, there's this metaphorical altar, and I'm kind of taking my life, and I'm putting it on this altar. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct me. I need his guidance. I need his power. I need to listen to him. 